trying to find something from a dad's perspective. Yeah. And I guess in a way, you want to know, not so much you want to feel normal, but you want to know that what you're going through and feeling is, is okay. Which is what probably drew me to the podcast. This is the Still Parents podcast, episode number 61. <laughs> and we are joined by Zello Dan. Hey guys, hey everyone. There he is. Now, Dan is all the way in Australia, so it might be interesting because there seems to be a little bit of a delay then. I didn't realise you still got that. Do you remember the old news reports you used to watch in the morning? And they'd be like, <laughs> they'd be like five, six seconds and it'd get really confusing. Dan, is it Crocker or Croker? Crocker. 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 Dan Crocker. You know when you pass someone in your car and they've got the same car as you? Do you sort of do that little nod of acknowledgement? Like, oh, same car? A little bit, yeah. Sometimes. Well, because Dan is a, a fine, bold-headed gentleman with a cracking beard, <laughs> I feel an affinity towards him already. It's amazing. It is amazing to see another one. It's the bold nod. That's the it. bold nod. The bold nod. Here he is. A few and far between. You're in Melbourne, right? In Melbourne, yeah. It's ten past eight in the evening here, Sunday night, recording this, which means someone's got up very, very early to join us, and we're honoured. What time is it exactly there, Dan? Ten past five now, oh over God. here. <laughs> right, Ten past five. I don't even get up that early when I go to the gym. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan's normally sending us voice messages yeah. at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's true. To uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I have a very reasonable cut-off time of 1.30. <laughs> yeah. oh. That's good. <laughs> um, thank you very much. So we've had a couple of guests on from... That there, United States of America, and you're our first person from down under. From the other side of the world. Neighbours. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> Dan looks distinctly unimpressed. <laughs> we can sing along. <laughs> wow. Yeah, um, Australia's finest import into the country. It's finished now, isn't it? Kylie and Jason were back on for the final episode earlier on in the year. Did anyone watch it? Did you watch any of it? No. Well, I used to watch Neighbours yeah. like religiously. I, did I always remembered like no one watched it in Australia. That was what I always <laughs> used to hear because they'd come <laughs> over, didn't they, all the time? But that's literally like Dan playing the East Enders tune down the phone. To us. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think they're remaking it. I think they've only scrapped it for six months and decided. That was it. It's going on. Am- <laughs> I think it's going on Amazon, isn't it? Oh, Amazon really? Prime, I think. What, yeah. newer? Oh, really? Yeah. Is, Har- is yeah, Harold Bishop still on the rock? Oh, God, yeah, that was the funniest <laughs> you've ever seen. Harold Bishop falls off a rock seven years later. I'm still here! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, thank you very much for joining us on the Still Parents podcast. Did you did you stumble across the podcast? It's always good to to see that it's you know we want as many people to to listen as possible uh, to this and, and similar podcasts just to help promote awareness and continue that discussion. So how did this come about for you? So I stumbled across the podcast originally after we lost our daughter, but we did a fundraiser for her in April of this year, which would have been her first birthday. And Matt messaged me. Must have seen one of the posts. So messaged me after that Uh, um, and asked if I'd like to come on. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, What I would like to do now is, as we do with all the guests, I'm sure if you've listened to it, is tell us and take us through your story. Matt and Ryan will jump in and offer some thoughts and some questions as well and any any messages that we get through the chat. So first of all, just introduce us to to your family. Your, Your wife, is it Alex, is it? Yes, Alex. Alex is my wife. Okay. So five years we've been married, nine years we've been together. Okay, brilliant. And your daughter, 
is it Adrian? Adrian. Adrian. Adrian, yeah. sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll try not to get that. Adrian running. or Adrew for sure. Okay. Please tell it, take us through your story. Give us as much detail as you wish to go into and we'll, we'll come back on the other side of that and uh, what happened with uh, you, your wife, Alex, sure. and Adrian. Cool. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about the pregnancy first. Yeah. Um, so Alex, my wife, had a, a rare liver disease when she was born um, that basically was all cleared up. There's no ongoing issues with it, but it was something that they were watching in the pregnancy. So Adri's pregnancy was considered high risk at the start, um, not because anything to do with, with Adri's growth or anything like that. It was monitoring. Um, basically, Alex had an increased risk of bleeding potentially, um, and also they would need to do an early caesarean. So she was scheduled to be born at 38 weeks. Okay. Um, Alex had a small surgery early in the second trimester um, just to mitigate some of that bleeding risk. But that all went really well. There was no issues with that. Adri was progressing, growing well. Um, no warning signs or anything at all. Um, at about 29 weeks, we had a routine appointment. And because it was high risk, we were doing scans every two weeks, I think, at that stage. Um, they found at that point, Alex had a short cervix, but they weren't. There's a bit of a funny one because they don't normally check at that stage. Okay. So they'd done a growth scan and they'd had a look and they'd found that and they, they didn't really know what it meant because they don't normally they stop checking at about 25 weeks. Right. So it was too late to do anything with, um, but something they'd just monitor. So from that point, we had weekly scans. Um, and that basically we then got to 35 weeks of weekly checkups and no problems. Um, basically the risk was she could go into labor early at any time. Um, so they were just trying to monitor that, but we got to the 35 week mark, no problems. And it had actually gone back to what they would consider normal. So that was probably the first time in the pregnancy, not that we were ever concerned about Adri or not that there was ever any any warning signs or issues or anything like that, but mm. probably the first time in the pregnancy where we both relaxed a bit. Was this your first child? Yeah, yeah, all completely new. No experience with loss, no friends that had lost or anything either, so it was, you know, yeah. completely okay. out of the blue, not something that we, you know, ever considered. So that was about a week before Easter. So on Good Friday of last year, we had a baby shower for Adri. And that was when look, we were getting, we were really excited. Then we had the room ready to go, had, you know, friends around celebrating. And that was great. We sort of had a feeling that she'd be coming early. And I don't know why, but I thought, you know, that Easter weekend was like, we're ready now. We've done the baby shower. Yeah. Everything's progressing okay. Everyone's healthy. Like it's, you know. And I made a joke on the Saturday. I think, if you want to come now, come. I was a chef at the time, so working the public holiday weekend and it was Flat out busy. So look, Saturday morning, if you want to come now, please do. <laughs> um, and then basically went through that weekend. Monday morning, we woke up. So obviously working that weekend. So I go back to Sunday night. I got home about 11 o'clock. Um, had a shower, got into bed and was feeling age kick. And she was quiet. She was really responsive and she was really active. So she sort of, she knew my voice and she'd kick. Um, 
when I talked to her, when I rubbed Alex's tummy, that sort of stuff, which is really cool. So about midnight, she was kicking away. See, we're having a great time in there. Again, no issues, and we went off to sleep. Um, we woke up in the morning. Alex thinks she felt her kick around two or three again, mm-hmm. um, and then we went off to sleep. We woke up to the normal time, and she hadn't felt her, which wasn't completely uncommon. There'd never been any reduced movements, but sometimes in the morning, I think while Adrian was asleep, you know, it would take a you know, couple of minutes to wake up sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. So I got up. Um, took the dog to the dog park. We sort of went on as a normal morning. Alex got up, tried to have some food, have a coffee, walk around, that sort of thing, which normally if she did that in age, would start kicking straight away. Um, but she hadn't moved. So I got back from the dog park and Alex hadn't felt her. And look, even at that point, we weren't concerned. We, we didn't have any knowledge of yeah. still worth. We knew it was the thing, as you do, but we hadn't seen, heard, or read anything about it. Alex was 37 weeks at that stage. And we thought, look, let's go to the hospital just to be safe. Um, let's go and check it out and make sure nothing's wrong. And expecting that we'd get there and everything would be fine. So we drove over there and we got straight into emergency, which was probably the first time I thought something could be wrong. So there wasn't a lot of people waiting, but we literally walked in. Um, that let me come in. It was sort of towards the tail end of COVID at that stage. So I'd come in as well. And I reckon we sat down for about five minutes and they came out and said, I'll come through now. And took us straight to a room. And as they do, they put the doctors on Alex. The first nurse or, or midwife that was doing the scan goes, oh, there it is. I've got the heartbeat. And they had so the Dopplers on and they had Alex's heart rate monitor as well. And I was watching the two, and she said, oh, no, I've got it. And we asked her again, we said, you definitely got the heartbeat. She said, yeah, yeah, she's fine. And then I looked at the screens, and I could see that the heart rate on the Doppler and Alex's was the same. Alex's heart rate sped up, and that one did exactly the same thing. So that was, okay, maybe something's wrong. Yeah. Um, she said, oh, look, I'm going to get someone else in here to have a look um, because she's Again, I think said I've got the heartbeat, but it's not very strong. Or I can't get you know a clear enough reading to separate the two. So I got another midwife in. She had the same issue; couldn't find a clear sort of separate heart rate. So that's when they brought they brought a little ultrasound machine in, and that's when we hear the words that oh, yeah, sorry, there's no heartbeat. Um, we're completely shocked. I think straight away, and wondering, I think why they weren't doing more. And we know now, you know, that's you know, there's nothing more they can do. But I think in the immediate aftermath after hearing that, but why aren't they doing a Caesar? Why aren't they doing more to, you know, surely it can't be can't be true. You know, there must be something they can do. Obviously there wasn't. We stayed in that room for about four or five hours, I think. And the hospital let Alex's family come um, and visit us there, which was nice. Alex was scheduled for a Caesar only 10 days later. Um, so Adrian was going to be born on the 28th of April. And this was the 18th that she was born. So because they were planning for a Caesar, we went basically to do a Caesar anyway. And she was born at about 4 p.m. I was 
I went in at the start because she was under general. I had to leave, so I was waiting outside with her mum. And we went in and met her there. And they, we weren't sure what happened next either. So that was, you know, in, in medical recovery. Um, they took us up to a room. And I think credit to them that they separate the um, families who have lost completely from the birthing suites. So the operating rooms are close together, but we were, I think we we're on level six or seven. And so the birthing rooms are on level five. So we're far, you know, you're far enough away that you can't hear. That's actually the first time we've heard that. Yeah. That sort of thing. That's the yeah, first time we've yeah, heard that yeah. because we've had a lot of people saying about the whole, well, mm. you had it yourself, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Being able to hear the, the cries. Mm. Yeah. I, at this point then, Dan, I, I mean, I know it sounds like, it does sound like a daft question, I, I imagine, but you said obviously you'd, you'd gone into shock, of course. Um, you're now upstairs. How are you processing this now then? So I think after, when we knew, there was so much shock and we didn't know what to do. We didn't know what we could do. We didn't know at that point, you know, there was an option to meet her. Do we want to meet her or not? that sort of thing. As soon as she was born, I think that changed instantly. He wanted to meet her and hold her and we held her in the recovery area and then went upstairs and we wanted to spend as much time with her really as we could then. And we were lucky again, they let Alex's family come and meet her. So that night we spent probably two hours with everyone in the room, holding her, giving her cuddles. They had a, a cuddle cot, the cooling cot there for her. So we just spent time with her and we were both instantly in love and so proud of her. And she was absolutely a perfect little girl. And that probably, and so it made it harder, but it made it all the more like we're just waiting for her to breathe, really. I think that first night, I think the mm. first, you know, first night in particular, she looked so perfect as, you know, we're just waiting for, you know, surely they're still wrong. And that's the thing that that, it's the same sort of the whole afternoon as that someone's made a mistake. This, you know, this yeah. can't be happening. And I think it was surreal. Yeah. It was such a whirlwind from going in. Like, no, what you're in this stunned state because a few hours ago, the baby was kicking. That's the reality of, yeah, you're lying there, kicking, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you're, you're having that bit of fun. You're talking to her. Uh, and then within the space of like, I mean, it's not even 12 hours, is no. it? Within the space of what, eight hours? Mm. It's completely different. And that's the mm. that's the thing that I struggle to deal with is how can something change so fast? Yeah. yeah. And yet when when Lily was born, she was completely perfect. It's like, you know, you, you, mm. it, this sounds really off, but you could understand if she was born and there was something visible that that you could then say, oh, well, that, that's caused this to happen. Yeah. yeah. But because there isn't anything visible, then you're waiting on things like a post-mortem if you choose to go down that route to find out, you know, the reasons mm. why that may be. Yeah. Question I've got for you, Dan, if you don't mind me asking, is you said obviously Alex was taken in for, um, do you, did you call it a seizure, which is like a, like a C-section over here, yeah? Yeah, C-section. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and obviously she had general anaesthetic. How did that make you feel, knowing that she was going in there to give birth to your daughter that had sadly died, and you couldn't be there when she was born? It was 
scary because I was worried about Alex as well at that time, mm. and because it's general, it all is a bit more, I guess, extreme, and you know, there's a lot more going on. So I was worried about her, and because as well, it had always been the worry up till that point was um, Alex having bleeding or something happening with her. Yeah, and her family was the same as well. So we were. Her mum was sitting with me. We we're in the sort of little alcove outside the operating theatre, and I think we just paced for, you know, the hour or so. They let me go in while she went off to sleep. So I'd seen the room, and I think that was probably gave me a little bit of, of comfort and, and seeing the doctors that were taking care of her. Yeah. And that sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, it was. I think we were literally, I was just pacing for that, that time, just waiting, and it felt like hours. You yeah. Know. I think that's why it's so important to hear these stories. Well, there was just so many similarities between Dan's story there and mm. our story. You know, the, the difference in regard to the fact that we went home for, so it was, it was actually a Friday evening when it happened to us and we went home and then we went back to the hospital on uh, the Sunday and Amy gave birth naturally. But when we were told on the Friday evening, my initial instinct and it and was to, right, Amy needs to have a, a, a C-section to get the baby out, and yeah. and and actually they, you know, they wouldn't do that purely for the fact of you know future pregnancy and stuff. But you know that's mm. by the by. But there's so many similarities to to Dan's story with what we experienced yeah. as well. You know, same gestation, 37 weeks, being born completely yeah. perfect, being in a side or in a in a in a room away from the uh, postnatal wards, which. We weren't. We were actually in a in a bereavement room off the corridor that took you down to the postnatal wards. So there were people walking past with balloons, car seats, flowers. Yeah. Obviously, you know they're completely oblivious to what's going on in that room. Yeah, but, of course. But you know, we had family, we had friends there, we had loads of midwives and, and nurses at around and about. So the similarities are. Yeah. You know, he, he, listening to Dan, uh, listening to Dan there, and talking about his and Alex's stories, he's, there's it, just a lot of similarity. Yeah. Say it brings it brings it back. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I can relate with the speed of it. Yeah. Okay. But obviously, we didn't. Callie wasn't stillborn, but yeah. At, sh- at eight o'clock in the morning, Callie was fine, and then by half past nine, she passed away. And where are so, you mentally? How do you deal mentally with this? Mm. Because uh, as you said, it happens so fast that you come into terms with. Well, hang on, you're still trying to figure out one part, and then the next bit's going on, and then mm. you, you're trying to figure out maybe terminologies that you're not familiar with. What mm. was the communication like in those hours leading up to the loss? I think though the hospital were really good in the immediate aftermath. Well, we found, and I won't touch on it too much, but we found that you know the direct team of nurses and doctors that were caring for Alex and caring for us were amazing. We had a, one or two problems with people sort of on the outer, whether it be the hospital management, nurse managers and, and those sort of people. But the actual care team were really good and they really like, communicated everything really well from the start. And basically, after we knew she'd passed away, they came in and, and we didn't realise that generally normally when this happens, not that it's normal, but you'd you'd give birth naturally and you'd go home. And that was the first thing they said to us. I think the nurse or midwife just hadn't seen Alex's notes and that sort of thing. So she mentioned that and that probably thought, well, surely not. Surely you don't go home. Um, but mm. we talked to her and said, look, just give, you know, if you can please call the 
call a specialist and she'll tell you that, you know, Adrian's going to be born 10 days via a C-section and, you know, reasons that that, that was can't give birth naturally. And they booked it and so it was for four. She was born at four o'clock that afternoon. So they booked it and then that was about 11. So they'd done that pretty quickly. Yeah. Basically, we had to go then upstairs. And this is probably... The hardest part, and that being been the hardest part for the second pregnancy at the start especially, um, because they have to do a confirmation scan. So the scan they do in the emergency, they have it's one of those little portable ultrasound machines. They have to take you upstairs and do you know, a proper full medical ultrasound. And that was done in basically the waiting, waiting area. You go through the waiting room for the perinatal unit, which is where Alex goes to all of her appointments. It's sort of Friday afternoon at that point. I can't, it's completely blanked out. I can't remember it, but I assume there was, you know, people and babies in the waiting room, that sort of thing. Yeah. So we go through there to get that ultrasound done. And again, you're just waiting. Oh, this is a powerful ultrasound machine. Surely they'll turn it on straight away and she'll be fine. Yeah. Probably, the thing I look back I don't like about that is they went on, it was clear there was no heartbeat. And I don't know whether medically they have to do this or not, but they played the noise that you'd normally have for the heartbeat. That must have been hard. That's sort of one part when I look back, I think you don't need to yeah. do that because the other thing as well is you can see it on the screen. So they have the noise, but you can see, you know, they also show the, the bars of, of the heart. You know, we knew this probably wasn't something we had to... No, definitely not. ...had to listen to. And from there, we went back down to emergency in, in the room we were in. And we just waited for the C-section, which is probably an hour or so later. Um, we got taken down. So you were sat with Alex while you were waiting for, after after hearing the news that, you know, you'd lost um, Adrian and you're waiting for the C-section. Can you remember any of the conversations that you and Alex had during that time? Just, I mean, again, I keep coming back to how this has been a whirlwind. It's happened so fast. All of a sudden you sat there, you're knowing that you've still got to go, you know, you're going to have your baby, but your baby's not going to be alive. Yeah. And you've got this time together. You know, where's your mind at? What What did you talk about? Can you remember any, how were you supporting each other at that time? Or did you just need to be alone? Can you recall it? And I know it's difficult. And I'm sorry to ask, but any of those things mm. that you can recall? Nah. It's, um, I think the first conversation we had is that we need to sort of, we need to live for her now. Mm. So she's not going to get the chance. So we need to, you know, try and have the best lives that we can for her. The other thing was we had to call people. I think most of our close friends and family knew she was coming early. Right. So the first thing when they answered the phone was yeah. that they were excited. Yeah. Um, they thought she'd been born. That was hard because yeah. it, I think everyone picked up the phone. Oh, what's happening? Amazing. They're, no. ex- they're expecting um, good news, aren't they? So, mm. yeah, wow. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. Yeah, I so had, that was tough. I had something, well, not similar as such, but the phone call, and I said, I've said this a little bit before. I, again, I can relate a little bit to that, Dan, in that I had to make the phone calls, well, uh, to people because obviously Krista was still asleep when we had Callie. She was under anaesthetic. Mm. So I phoned my, I phoned my parents were on holiday and I phoned my mom but my brother-in-law picked the phone up and I I to this day I remember like literally I spoke to him and said have you got his mom there sort of thing and I told him what happened and he just went oh shit and then he gave the phone to mom mm. 
And then, and then I, I say to this day, like I, I'll take that phone call with me. Like her reaction was just, oh, it was haunting, mm. like haunting, just because, yeah, you you know you break that. And and I actually had to hang up on her because she was like pretty much screaming down the down the right. phone, right? Yeah. yeah. So like you know, because again, as you've just said, Dan, like at, every, at that point when you are so far through a pregnancy, everyone around you who you've told and you've let in. He's invested as well, right? And that's the point. And and mm. and so there are, you know, with it being your first, Callie was our first. You're not expecting to hear the news from the people who've gone into hospital that that you you're making this phone call. You, as you said, you're making mm. a phone call to tell people she's been born, she's happy, she's fine, she's perfect, blah blah. So yeah, it's tough, man. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So this was. In April last year, April 2022, and now at the end of July 23, for listening back to this uh, at a future date, that time from your loss up to now, uh, talking about your your relationship mm. with Alex also, how it's affected your job. He said, was it early? Are you still a chef or you were a chef? No, I was a chef. I actually changed. I left, well, left my job and I, I was planning on looking for something more family suitable, better hours etc it's a lot of long um, hours isn't it leading up to when Adri was born yeah yeah and it was tough for us we actually well, I think we became a lot closer in the immediate aftermath as our marriage and our relationship we lent on each other a lot and we're probably or definitely I think the closest we've been um, that's good to through hear. that period we we knew how hard it was going to be, I thought it was much harder than we thought it was going to be, and I think still is, really. But we tried to be, I guess, in a way, as proactive as we could. We knew that we were going to struggle, so we reached out to a grief counsellor only two weeks later, and we've seen her, saw her basically weekly, um, up until the birth of our son, a little rainbow baby, Ari, um, six weeks ago. Oh, so six, six, sorry. That six, was a huge support. Six weeks ago, you said you had the baby Ari. Yeah. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, congratulations, man. So he's very fresh. Thank you. He had a poo, he had a poo Mageddon before, uh, he before on. he came on earlier. Yeah. <laughs> poo Mageddon. Poo Mageddon. Yeah, two tonight. He's had oh, two poo Mageddon. bag twice. <laughs> yeah. Poo Mageddon. Uh, oh. <laughs> As they do. <laughs> Probably use it here. But that's so while we're mentioning <laughs> while we're mentioning Ari, then we'll come back to the careers bits as well. And I think you alluded to it. So you, this was yeah. pretty much a decision that you and Alex immediately knew. Okay, we're, we're we we want to have a we're gonna we're gonna try again yep. relatively soon. Yeah, yep. I'm never. It's never gonna be. We're never gonna replace Adrian. There's, you know, she's always gonna be. You know, such a special part of our family, but we wanted to have a living yeah. baby. We, we wanted to have a family. And seeing her cemented that, yeah. I think, as well. And look at this beautiful girl we've made. You know, we want to have a baby and we want to have all these experiences. Um, so there was a little bit of a waking time um, with the Caesar. Yeah. Generally, I think they say you should wait 18 months. Um, minimum is six months, so we naturally went for the minimum. <laughs> um, and they look, they managed it really well. And the good. best, the good thing about the hospital is that they were on board 
as well and on board and supportive with what we wanted. Okay. So it wasn't a case of, you know, the doctor saying, no, you cannot do this. Yeah. They were very supportive. Well, that's that's great to hear. You mentioned um, a few moments ago about going to... Oh, are you still with us? He's frozen on the screen, so I'm not sure if you can hear us or not. Is he gone? We'll get him back. Yeah. Oh, he's back. You're right, Dan. Sorry, we lost you for a second. I wasn't sure if Sorry, you could still guys. hear us. That's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's our shit internet here. Australian like. internet. You mentioned about the grief counselling, and yeah. I just wanted to clarify. So it was two weeks after, mm. and you went you went together. Yeah. Which yeah, needs to be... Yeah, together. Which is great. But I also am quite keen to to find out what the support, not leaving women aside, but just the support networks that are on offer. Mm. I know the world's getting smaller and smaller. That's why you're on with us tonight. Yeah. But something which you could yeah. physically be at if you needed to, something which is tailored for a bereaved dad. Do you know of any systems there's not, out there? So there's there's two. Um, so there's a couple of charities, Sands and Red Nose, who support after. Um, stillbirth, baby loss, and yeah. they have, you know, I think they do one maybe support call a month for dads. Um, but I haven't done, I've thought about that and, and haven't done it at this stage. But other than that, a couple of sort of articles on their websites, web pages, things like that, there's not really anything actively in Australia, which is what probably drew me to the podcast because it was, you know, trying to find something from a dad's perspective. Yeah. Um, and I guess in a way you want to know, not so much you want to feel normal, but you want to know that what you're going through and feeling is is okay. Well, um, well yeah. And what other people have felt. Well, it is, to a degree, because that is, I'm not a particular fan of this. I think it was after COVID when everyone started saying the new normal. Yeah. But yeah. it is to yeah. a degree, isn't it? Because this is your your new normal and then you're being around people with, whether it's with us, with other podcasts, with different support groups. As, as we've mentioned a lot on, on, on different shows, to be in that environment where you go, okay, it's not me. It's fine to think that. I did that too. I have these questions also. And, it's, and that it's okay. Look, I'm coming at this from the angle of not understanding what it's like, but as I've said many times, I have friends who have, and I've seen them in pain, and I've seen the stuff that they're going through, mm. and and uh, and in terms of support networks, I mean, look, it's, it's still a relatively new thing that anyone in the in, in the world is is doing to try and get these these mental health conversations out there, particularly coming at it from the mm. from the guys from the guys' angle. Funnily enough, actually, our next episode is we've so it's Australian guests uh, guests are like bosses, that old classic. <laughs> <laughs> we've not had one on in two years, and our next guest is also joining us from Melbourne. Is that Matthew? It is. Matt Matt McConnell. Yeah, so we've linked up on Instagram, actually, we've been messaging the last couple of months. Oh, you've connected with him. Okay, well, that's great. Yeah, his wife and um, another woman, Megan, uh, Megan Donaldson, my wife connected with on Instagram as well, here in Melbourne, um, and the Lost community linked together and then was to the data messaging as well. Brilliant. Oh, that's right. Well. Matt McConnell has just actually posted <laughs> on the oh, comments yeah. saying that oh, he's it? listening. He's listening oh, nice. in, so he's put, "Hey boys, I'm listening oh, in as hey, well." Good day, good day, Matt. Good day, Matt. Matt always starts an email with "Good day, Matt." So I love that. Yeah, good day. So, that's yeah. great. That's and you've great. no idea how excited that's made our Matt. Absolutely last, right. I love weeks. it. What I was going to say mainly was the fact that technology and and has helped you kind of connect with Matt and yeah. connect with us, yeah, yeah. and and yeah. so actually. 
it, as you said, Dan, like the world's getting smaller and smaller, but it's it's a good it's a good way. This is this is a good thing that's happened, right? Yeah. You know, well, it's like, how it's used, isn't it? Because it's getting smaller and smaller, but it's also getting louder and louder, yeah. and it's also getting angrier and angrier. Well, and yeah. It's also getting less and less patient. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Right <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Australian Matt, I know if you if you're watching, how quickly can you get around to Dan's house? We can just get you <laughs> get, get you on for the last few minutes. Yeah. I think he's about, about two and a half hours away. I think what interests me as well, Matt, is that and this is Australian Matt. You are on the other side of the world, yet you're experiencing to some extent what we and, and parents over here experienced probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, where there was very limited um, support organisations, support programmes, you know, whatever that may be. And it's almost like you are... I don't want. To, I don't want this to sound in in, in a derogatory term. It's almost like Australia mm. is playing catch up, and it takes, unfortunately, times of adversity to be able to then grow networks mm. and grow, you know, support groups and, and and what have you. Is that something which you thought that would would benefit you to be able to potentially? start a support network for fathers out in in Australia and I know it's a massive country but it might be that it's mm. you know something it's got to start somewhere hasn't it I think so yes I think you're right it is sort of playing catch up I mean the mental health conversation everywhere um, is something that's coming a long way um, and getting a lot better and I think mental health around lost and and you know, miscarriage, stillbirth, baby loss is the same. I don't think there's a lot because there's not a lot of people who have openly talked about it. And I think that's it's probably the same everywhere. It's, you yeah. know, it's a topic that people shy away from. So it's not something that's out there. But I've yeah. found it with my close friends here and at home, it's, you know, it's, it's not easy to have a conversation that you can talk about it and, you know, I make the effort that I bring Adrian up whenever I can and yeah. discuss it. And it's that sort of thing when people ask how you are and sometimes they want the the full answer, sometimes <laughs> yeah. they want the good thanks. And I've found it, it helps to share her. It makes it easier to get through the days, to be able to talk about her and, you know, have her in the, in the current, I guess. That's something that's helpful. It is important, it's vitally important to keep saying their name and to keep speaking about them as though they are with you present because ultimately they are present, you know, in whatever your beliefs are, whether they're within your heart or whether somebody has a tattoo or whatever, it doesn't really make any difference, does it? It's they're present with you and that's ultimately the the most important Mm. thing. It's not whether Joe Bloggs down the road, you know, has, has a different view. If they're present with you at that time, then... You know, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you find there's any differences in how you live your life now before the loss compared to, you know, things you might have learned about yourself and in the early days of your grief, was there any distractions that you were putting in the way of actually tackling the grief? Yeah, definitely. I think immediately afterwards, I think I was trying to be as aware, I guess, as possible of the grief, um, how I was feeling, emotions and that sort of thing, and trying to process it yeah. and do little things every day, whether it's writing a journal, going for a walk, that sort of thing, just to 
try and, you know, care for, for my mental health as much as possible. And I think that was helping a lot um, for the first couple of months. I think when Alex fell pregnant with Ari, it probably changed a bit then. And I think then I probably started, well, definitely started using, I guess, work, especially as a bit of a distraction. And I think I did it at the start, but at the start, it was helpful to be able to go to work and, you know, I could easily separate and go to work and going home, that sort of thing. There's nearly a break, I guess, from, from the grief that she's always on my mind, but it's, a, you know, actively doing something else. Yeah. With the pregnancy, I think that got a lot harder. It got a lot harder for both of us. And it's probably the hardest time I think we've had over the sort of nine years of being together. Definitely was the particularly the last few months of the pregnancy. And I think with sort of then I know I especially did I, I use things like work or other things as a distraction. Yeah, I'm going off and doing that. Yeah. And I needed a distraction, so I'll go and, you know, distract myself rather than deal with you know, or hold the emotions, that sort of thing. It certainly became a lot easier just to go and throw myself into something else. Anything that you guys want to want to mention or, or or ask Dan before we let him go and have his breakfast? I think. <laughs> I, uh, um, I think maybe the only thing we could do possibly uh, in the future is once we've had Matt on, is have Dan and Matt on together. Oh yeah. Maybe yeah, yeah, still, 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 parents down under with Dan and Matt. That's yeah. a good idea. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> got to ask. I've got to ask. I've got to ask Dan this. Just and sorry, it's here we go. This is bold chat to bold chat. It is bold chat to bold chat. All right. Bold chat. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever get people come over and put their hand on your head just, <laughs> just because they can't? No, no, never. <laughs> oh, all right, okay. I'm not, maybe I'm not as don't look as approachable as you. Why they literally just come and put them? I haven't had that. Oh, so many times over the year. I mean, I've been bowled. I've been bowled 25 yeah. years now, right? And it's all the time. Come over, especially if I was DJing. They come over, like put their hand on. I just remember this one person. It was an indie bar. Come over, <laughs> put their hand on my head. I don't know why. It's like I'm not a genie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I wanted to ask you. Good luck, child. <laughs> They'd always go, eh, sweaty head. I'm like, yeah. No one's rubbed my hair. That's a, yeah. <laughs> Context is everything. I've had the pleasure. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> it's just me then. Okay. Yeah. Um, Dan, joking aside, yeah. thank you, thank you so much for coming on. And if you ever would like to join us again, whether it's for a full episode or just just come drop by. Um, on the on the show via Zoom, well, not, not actually drop by. <laughs> I was just about to say, I get a flight, you know. Feel Ryan's eyes. <laughs> just yeah, you just jump oh, in on man. the show. What I'd like to do, I think it'd be quite hard, but it'd be good. You know, um, in the early days of lockdown, and you had just rows and rows of people on Zoom. Yeah. If we could get every guest that we've had on. Oh yes. Jeez, that if, would be unbelievable. I just want to see if we can get because what are we on six. Yeah. I don't. We've got think about fifty or so to. people. Or just see how many. How many we could get on. Get on. I mean, I'm not. I mean, it would sound. I can't imagine it would make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. To and do who that. would talk when? Because that's ridiculous. Well, that'd be quite funny. Maybe no one. <laughs> That'll be the problem. Still staring. <laughs> um, no, listen. Uh, we'll let you go because it's. Thank you so much for coming on, and we really appreciate you getting up in what essentially is the middle of the night. I mean, we could have done it at a different time, wouldn't we? But yeah. 
we could, but Matt didn't think of that. <laughs> I haven't thought about it for Matt either. So, so right. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm up anyone. All right, fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. Well, um, if you would like to get in touch with the show, with Ryan or with Matt, and uh, ask a question for any of our guests, then feel free. And we would love to hear from you through our website, stillparentspodcast.co.uk, stillparentspodcast on Instagram. And if you can, if you drop us a little, a little review, a couple of stars, if you don't mind, because as we always say, it just helps the podcast to get discovered. It helps other podcasts similar to this get discovered. And the more uh, that happens, the more we can we can get people's stories out there and get the support increased and the awareness raised. So that'll be it. Any final thoughts, anyone? No. Oh, oh good. <laughs> well, I was enthusiastic. That no, was no, really no. enthusiastic. No, no, man. no. I'm all good. Yeah, just, I really enjoyed the episode. It was good. Brilliant. Thank you. <clears throat> and it's the start of your day. So, have you got any plans for today? It's actually my first day back at work ah. after having Ari as well today. I'm oh, today? Checking a few things off. So, yeah, so I'm going to. It was going to be next week. So, so I had oh, planned wow. it well. Uh, how many hours till you start work? Have you got time for a nap? Yeah. Two hours. Oh, you got loads of time. Got an hour for five minutes. No, I might. I'll have another coffee. Yeah. I'll leave, I'll leave in about 100% I'm going back to bed if I'm yeah, there you <laughs> Dan we will waste no more of your time uh, enjoy that coffee and uh, have a great first day back at work congratulations yeah. to you and to Alex with the birth was it six weeks ago of Harry yeah. and um, we're looking forward to speaking to you again at some point in the future ladies and gentlemen um, on the podcast tonight yeah. Dan Crocker cheers Dan thanks guys and that's your lot. We have, uh, well, we'll be back with uh, Matt McConnell also in Melbourne in... Um, 20th of August. We've had a, a, a crazy busy run. So we're now at the point where if we're going to start looking for people to come on over the rest of the year. So if you know of anyone, if it's something... And I know it's, no, it's not easy, easy at all and you, you might not want to, but if you do, if you ever change your mind, just reach out to us and um, yeah, we're here for you. Thank you very much. Take care, everyone. This is the Still Parents Podcast. Bye-bye. See you guys. Are we good to go? Yes, we're good to go. Matt's just trashing the studio, though. Thanks for throwing that chair into me, Matt. Really appreciate that. Is it level right? Well, it was before you threw the metal chair at me, yeah.